This episode of the Design Freaks podcast is sponsored by Isotope. Their audio software like RX helps to clean up my recordings, and they have a ton of other products, and you can learn a whole lot more at their website, isotope.com. Right now, Ruinous Media and Fretboard Journal listeners save 10% at checkout on any Isotope plugin or bundle using the code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. So if you have a podcast or produce music, go to isotope.com slash ruinous and shop their award-winning audio production products and save 10% on your order with the code FRET10 and make your audio sound better. Thank you. Episode 29 of the Design Freaks podcast with Matt Most. Uh, my name is Clarita and I am your host of the show. This is a show all about record covers, graphic design, music history, design history, all the non-corporate reasons. Most of us uh, graphic designers slash record collectors got into this industry in the first place. Uh, so that's the kind of stuff I cover and I'm telling the stories behind the albums you love. Also behind record labels, poster designers, music industry, art directors, all the above. I always manage to learn something new about music and art and design every episode. So I'm super grateful for this show. And yeah, episode 29. So like I said, I have a great interview with the hilarious and very affable Matt Most. Uh, very cool, interesting person with lots of funny stories uh, because he's toured quite a bit and also is an artist and graphic designer. But first, before we get into that, I just want to say a special thank you to all my listeners and subscribers. Um, If you haven't subscribed, please do and please share the podcast with other vinyl collectors and design freaks that might enjoy it. Uh, Go to designfreakspodcast.com for all the photos, links, videos, etc., that accompany my episodes. Uh, You can get to all other socials from there, and you can also visit ruinousmedia.com for other fun and very entertaining Pacific Northwest music-related podcasts. Uh, You can also buy cool merch. Uh, One more special thank you to the Deadbeat Film Society for having me on their movie podcast. Uh, In the episode I was on recently, I got to talk about one of my favorite movies, of all time that influenced a bunch of other movies and is completely ridiculous, The Phantom of the Paradise. Uh, And so they are at Deadbeat Film Society on Instagram. Check it out. Yeah, like I said, in this episode, I have a fun conversation with Matt Most from the Cold War Kids, Coro Mandels, and his other project, French Style Furs, which features the singer from Cold War Kids. I also include a whole French style first song in this episode. It's called Solitary Life. So thanks again for listening and enjoy this conversation with Matt Must. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi. How's it going? Fantastic. Thank you so much. It's nice to meet you finally. It's just, uh, yeah, COVID times. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> Crazy it's times. Like, it's, like, it's a one. I feel like for me, it's like a big one. It's like one big artistic waiting room. Because <laughs> I, I, I live alone. No kids. No, it's just me. Me too. So I'm just, I'm just, um, I'm on pause, literally. Yeah. Do you have you been talking to yourself? <laughs> kind of. I talk to the computer. I talk to like the shows I'm watching a lot. Yeah. Like, um, like I don't say like don't go in there because I don't watch that kind of stuff really, but. Uh, I definitely, uh, so I, I've been really into, I've been to a lot, a lot of shows, but I've really been into the show, uh, Joe Para Talks With You. Do you know this show, Joe Para? Oh, how do I they're, watch that? It's on HBO. Uh-huh. It's, uh, I love it. It's this guy, they're 10 minute episodes, and I've found myself talking like Joe Para in a lot of ways. Um, I, 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 it won't, it's a very, I don't think I'd be a, 
I don't think I can really describe this show to you. You just got to kind of experience it. It's um, it's a strange. It's it's it, extremely strange, and at the same time, it's completely so ho hum and not strange at all. So, huh. give give it a whirl. And if you don't like the first episode, it's probably not for you. But I bet I bet you'll like it. It's it, it's a sent. It's like a very slow sentimental comedy. Ooh. Yeah, Northern Michigan. Yeah, my dad's from there. Yeah. Oh, really? I think that's kind of why I like it because uh, I, I went to a lot of family reunions as a kid, and there's something mm-hmm. about the tone of the show that just kind of reminds me of being like a kid around older people. And uh, yes, that's yeah. probably what it is. Mm-hmm. Nostalgia. I know I'm I'm nostalgic to go home because I well now I'm way overdue. Um, for a visit uh when do you how often do you go there do you still go to michigan Mm, i haven't been to michigan i mean we've played there a bunch um like detroit and uh i forget the other ones grand rapids i guess we played um Uh no i haven't been in we haven't been in at least at least a year probably a year and a half we played detroit last time so speaking of uh just to catch the audience up so you were in two bands with Joe that I know of. So Joe is one of the founders of Ruinous Media, for any mm-hmm. listener who doesn't know. And he has a fabulous podcast, obviously, on the network called Tour Stories, um, where he tells all of his crazy stories and has his guests come on. And um, sometimes they've toured together, sometimes not. But you guys were in Cold War Kids and the Coro Mendels, correct? Yeah, yeah, Cold War Kids. Joe's been Cold War Kids. I've been in the Cold War Kids for, I don't know, 15 plus years now. Wow. I know, for a long time. And then, yeah, like maybe 2004 we started, I think. Yeah. And then, but Joe joined maybe 20, I'm guessing 2014 he joined. Okay, who's your favorite drummer? Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) They're all, they're, yeah. Uh, Art Blakey is definitely my favorite drummer. Art oh, Blakey. I mean for for the band. Yeah. Be, <laughs> yes. yeah, answer very carefully, please. Yeah, well, there's only there's only two of them, and so we'll, we'll say Joe for now. Okay. Um, and, and then yeah, Joe and I and my friend Dan, mm-hmm. uh, who Dan, Dan plays in this band Tijuana Panthers. I love um, that band. Yeah, so we have a, a fun side project. We have two records, mm-hmm. and then uh, some other songs we've done. But there's two records we've done. Did you tour um, as the Coral Mendels? No, we've we've actually never played a show. Okay, it's all that's what it's, I thought. It's it's a completely uh, real fake band. <laughs> Everything is that now, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everything's just in the air mm-hmm. uh, and digital. Um, so, how is it going? Speaking of, do you miss touring? Where would you be now on tour? Do you know? Uh, I don't know what it would be. I just I just heard rumors of like a, a show popping up next next March next Ooh. next month. Uh, hope it happens. I, I don't know. I don't want to talk too much about it because if I talk about it, it might not happen. But um, some yeah, uh, we've played. Uh, it's been over. I think our last show. So I know our last show that we played. We played one song. Well, we we ended our tour last February in L.A. And that was fabulous. And then a week later, we played uh, Tony Robbins' birthday party. Shut up. And we played one song. We we opened the night with one song, and that's the last time we played live as a band. Wait a minute. At Tony Robbins' birthday? Okay, we have yeah. to talk about this. It was a benefit. Yeah, and then uh, uh, like Ozzy Osbourne was sitting in the front row. Uh, Mike Tyson was there. It was bizarre. <gasps> Yeah, no, it was bizarre. It was um, a benefit, you know, obviously, it was yeah. Tony Robbins. And uh, d- uh, they paid us in uh, money that we could donate to um, a charity or organization of our choice, and it was really rad. We didn't really stay. For, I mean, we stayed for a little bit. We didn't stay. I'm totally blanking on who else played now. It was a bunch. Of, like yes. It was the kind of thing where we're like, why are we here? And I um, One song? What song was it? It was it was one of his favorite songs. So it was a song we have called First, which was uh, it's one of our biggest songs. Uh-huh. And he requested that the night open. According to this is what we've been told, he wanted the night to open with one of his favorite songs. So we were the opening <laughs> thing, and we played First, which is like our it, it, it's it's our you know it's our big single hit song. Okay. Um, if a, if we have any. And he wanted to hear that song, so we're like, "Yeah." And you yeah. played and it for Ozzy. 
Yeah, Ozzy was. It was very bizarre seeing Ozzy. And what's funny is that you see, like, during the sound check, you see the na- the names on the chairs of who's, you know. Oh my! And so God. you're like, I know that Ozzy Osbourne might or might not be sitting in that chair when I come out, or Mike Tyson. Um, that kind of stuff was really bizarre. <laughs> and then they were there. When, when, were when they together? Out. I want. I want to think they were together. No, they were sitting. I forget who Ozzy was next to. Ozzy was next to someone famous too. I mean, there was there were so many people. In the, within the first three rows of like, okay, that person, I'm, I'm blanking on all of them now. But Whoa. Yeah, Speaking of famous people, though, I saw you guys played, and I don't like a lot of those late night talk shows, but the yeah. one that I like is Seth Meyers. Um, oh, he's yeah. my favorite. And I saw that you were on an episode of Louis Anderson. Yes. So I got my hair, me and Louis got our hair and makeup done the exact same time. And so I got to have a full, like, I don't know, 10 minute conversation with him. Oh my God. And um, I used to watch Life with Louie as a kid, and I used to love that cartoon. Um, yeah, so he now he was so uh, fun. <laughs> he was yeah he was oh he was gosh. really fun to talk to. And um, have you seen Baskets? Yes, I, well, I want, the first season I have, and I've been saving the second season. How Louie Anderson like loves the is it what, what's Coke's water Denaze. Den- oh, I don't. Oh, Dasani. Dasani, yeah. I love how yeah. he's obsessed with Dasani water <laughs> and Costco. Yeah, it's it's brilliant. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, product placement. Mm-hmm. But it's it works because it it's that personality type. Yeah, it's like they're making. We fun all of, know it's that. Like, yeah, they're making fun of it, but it still works. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, what do you think is is uh, more stressful, a shit ton of people or a bunch of cameras? I all celebrities. We've we've played all of the TV show. I mean, we've never done Saturday Night Live, but um, we've done all uh-huh. of the Letterman, Colbert, Seth Meyers, Fallon, Jimmy Kimmel. Mm-hmm. The Jimmy Jimmy Kimmel is always the least stressful one because we've done it so many times. Um, I, the last time we played before we went on, Jimmy Kimmel said to us. He's like, I think you guys and Huey Lewis in the news have played the most times Whoa. on the show. <laughs> and I think I think we've played Jimmy Kimmel seven times, maybe like every record we play it. And it feels very routine. But I still get um I never our first show ever mm-hmm. we played, like non TV, I was nervous, and then I never was really mm-hmm. nervous again. Maybe one time, I think the first time we played Glastonbury, I was a tad nervous because it was just so larger than life. Yeah. But but um, the TV shows, I always kind of have a little bit of, um, like, especially with Ellen. We played Ellen about a year uh-huh. or so ago. Uh-huh. And I was uh, I was a little nervous. Was she mean? Everyone says she's mean. Uh, she wasn't mean to us. She gave us all big hugs, and she gave us free Ellen underwear and mugs, and it was cool. I got Ellen underwear. I guess maybe we should talk a little bit about art, graphic design. Um, sure, yeah. How has that been going? Have you been more productive? I think I've been more productive visually. Like visually, I've been working mm-hmm. on art all day long. Kind of mm-hmm. like uh, in, I work in a lot of spurts. Like I work in like ten minute increments here and there throughout the day. And I've always kind of done that, but uh, it's been definitely like magnified during COVID because there's not mm-hmm. a whole lot else to do. Mm-mm. But um. Uh, we somehow managed to put out a whole record during COVID and we just finished our new record that I'm not sure when we're putting it out, but we're going to put it out hopefully sooner than later. And I mean, the record that we put out during COVID is hands down, like, uh, uh, my favorite record we've ever done. I think it's our best one. And And this is what's called War Kids? Yeah. What's the name of it? It's called New Age Norms 2. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. So we're doing, we're doing, um... A trilogy. We're doing three records: New Age Norms One, Two, and Three. Uh-huh. And this is the second one. It came out in August. Uh, it's my favorite record, and I'm not just saying that. I promise. It's it's truly is my oh, favorite record. Congratulations. Um, thank you. It's the first record that um. It's the first record that this lineup of the band all played on at the same time live. Like it's a very live. It's a very. It's the kind of record like. 
uh, it's very much made in the same kind of way that our first record was made. Uh-huh. Uh, All together in the same room. Yeah, yeah, yeah more cool. or less. Yeah, and so it's it's it ha- definitely has we've kind of like come full circle as a band um, in wow. terms of like style of recording. Uh-huh. And then the new the new new one that's coming out. I don't know when. Probably sometime this year. Um, well, it, it, it better come out this year because I'll go crazy if it doesn't. Um, it's it's a uh, a lot more of that. Mm-hmm. Like same kind of thing. Back very to your much. roots. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's very and did, exciting. Did you design both of these or either of them? Um, I had a hand in uh, ever since like probably three records ago. Mm-hmm. 2017, I'm guessing. It started being a much more collaborative effort. So I definitely was very much involved, but it wasn't just me. Mm-hmm. Uh, this new one, we had uh, this guy, Atiba Jefferson, who's like a big skateboard photographer rad dude mm-hmm. he did all the ph- photographs for it and um my friend alan who has helped us with the last couple of records he's taken a lot of my artwork and manipulated it and it's kind of more of a collaborative effort oh nice yeah. um i see you went to art school and you got a bfa at Bi- how do you say it biola biola yeah it's biola. Strange, it, yeah it sounds like a science project it, it right. said uh it was named the tamest party school in all of california <laughs> Oh, I like that. <laughs> Just tame parties. I, I knew some tame partiers, and I knew some <laughs> non-tame partiers. But it's an e- evangelical school, right? Is that yeah. is that evident in all the curriculum, or? Kind of, yeah, well, they yeah, it's strange. They made you uh, no joke. They made you. I don't know if it's still this way. I, I haven't. I ha- I have no idea now. I've, I'm so far from that now. But um, they made you. Uh, minor in Bible. So you had to do, everyone had to do 30 units of Bible. Well, that's interesting. Um, and has it ever been useful? It's, no, yeah. I, I, from a historical sense, I think it's pretty cool. Like, I, I still like reading the Bible. Like, I'm, I'm actually during COVID, I was like, I'm, I've never read the Bible straight through, mm-hmm. like, ever in my life. And mm-hmm. I was like, that's crazy. I have a minor in Bible and I haven't read the entire Bible. Mm-hmm. So uh, at the beginning of COVID, I was like, I'm just going to read the Bible straight through. And I have very, I have a couple of very Christian friends that say, "Oh, you should never read the Bible straight through." That's not how you read the Bible. I was like, "Well, why the hell not?" That's it's a book. Like, so I was like, I was like, I, I felt like I owed it to myself to like, I'm just going to read the Bible straight through, and I'm like, uh, so I'm reading one chapter a day, mm-hmm. and I'm about, you know, and I probably really only read like five times a week, mm-hmm. and I'm like, uh, I don't know, I'm probably like. A sixth, a sixth through the Bible. Wow, I'm so deep. I'm so deep in the Old Testament. Yeah, yeah. No, maybe that's why yeah. the Christian friends don't. They're like, yeah, skip the Jewish parts. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty. I mean, it's a, it's the most violent ass book. It's crazy. But I it's mean, so violent. I grew up Christian too, or you know, in quote air quotes, like sorta. Yeah. Um, we went to a Baptist church and, and had a Bible in the house, and I remember liking to, it was a little spooky, you could just open it up to a passage and it somehow applied. It's like tarot cards yeah. where it's kind of random. Totally. Yeah, it's like fortune cookies. Went to the fortune teller, had my fortune read. Didn't know what to tell her I had a dizzy feeling in my head Then she took a look at my heart She said, Sonny, you feel kind of warm She looked into a crystal ball Said, you're in love But then, so your BFA is in design or is it fine art? Graphic design. Okay. Uh, I remember having a conversation with my parents about this and they, I kind of, I didn't know if I should do painting or graphic design. Mm-hmm. And I remember t- I, I decided graphic design. I did it for, uh, cause I liked a girl. Um, mm-hmm. I, I went for two years. I had this huge crush on this girl, Kelly. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I was making all these mixtapes and like using the Xerox machine. This is, not even CDs, but like mixtapes. I was still mm-hmm. making tapes, you know, um, like dubbing tapes. And I was yeah. using the, doing like real cut and pasty zine type artwork and I was using the Xerox machine to the library at school mm-hmm. and it was still like one of those old Xerox machines Love that, it. like it looked really cool mm-hmm. and um so I was doing that and she liked all these tapes a lot and, she, and I didn't have a major and she was like a year and a half older than me and she was a design major 
And she said, you should be a graphic design major. I was like, why? She's like, you have a really good sense of space. And like, you make these mixtapes for me and they're really cool. And they're like, they, they look really good. And you're not trying to make it look cool. You're just trying to, you're just having fun. She, she's like, you, you, you seem like you, you would be good at graphic design. I was like, oh. And um, so I was like, okay, cool. And I got to be in classes with her. And then we got to work on homework together and stuff. And we never dated, but we stayed friends. Yeah. But then I became a graphic design major because I had a huge crush on her. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad yeah. that Kelly existed and yeah. that you chose that path because you're good at it. Uh, and you definitely have your own voice. Thank you. Yeah. You can definitely tell uh, that yeah. you're a fine artist also. Um, do you, okay, so as far as process, do you still use Xerox or how has that yeah, changed? I, well, I... I use yeah I I go to the staples a lot I still use the Xerox machines I I have a shitty printer at home that I like to print stuff out on but I like to um, it's funny just just yesterday I realized I wasn't using my Adobe products at all and I was I was paying like fifty five bucks a month oh, wow. for Photoshop InDesign mm -hmm. uh, you know Illustrator and the other one mm -hmm. and I was like I I I, I kind of use InDesign some for a little bit but mm -hmm. barely and then so I. I, I tried canceling and now I just have Photoshop and it's like 10 bucks a month. Oh. I try to like do a healthy balance of, well, I don't even know if it's healthy, but I just, I like to do things in the computer, mm -hmm. things by hand, and then just constantly regurgitate them both. So I, you know, I take, scan it in, take iPhone photos, put it in the computer, fuck it up, and then print it out again, take photos of the computer screen, just constant regurgitation. And I, I took a huge, like, holistic approach to everything where nothing's ever done unless it's behind glass and it's framed. And just keep keep working and keep working and keep working. Um, nothing, yeah, that's kind of how I work. And like, it's, it keeps me non, not precious about anything. Mm -hmm. um, that's great. Uh, yeah, it's, just, it's an ongoing, never-ending. Do you feel that there's a political nature or a statement? behind the regurgitation and the layering of your work not really i just i, I did it's just it's just all um whatever looks good mm -hmm. um i love the de the decay like digital decay and it's yeah. really striking i had a big talk with my therapist last week about this about my art and i it's i i, I tend to view i want i want my output to feel like i stumbled upon it like i like a, not that it's trash but i want my i want it to feel like i just it just arrived to me i, I don't want to I, I always want anything that i frame and put on a wall i want it to feel like uh it was a gift to me i, I, I always want it to feel like how did that get made i don't, I don't remember doing that <laughs> and um it, that's usually like my uh, litmus test if it's good or not is like it did, did it feel like i had to do it like like did it feel effortless or did it feel like a lot of work and i always mm. the effortless things are the things that usually rise to the top and are my are, are my favorite thing that is so true for me too like the the best or the things that get the most response and the things i'm proud of it was like an unconscious experience almost yeah david uh, david lynch has this quote of i always come back to where he he says something like art should never be hard but it should be hard it should be hard work but it shouldn't be hard I love that. And I have his book yeah. sitting right here, Catching the Big Fish. Yeah, right I think here. he says it in that one. I actually read that yeah, at the beginning of the beginning of COVID. I, I have, yeah. It's great for productivity. I read it, I guess, a few years ago. But I also love the quote. I'm probably remembering it wrong. But he talks about what, it, what artists need to prepare. And you, mm -hmm. it's not just the time that it literally takes you to create something. You need like four hours around that. Yeah. You need like buffer or like four time. days. Right, exactly. Yeah. And that's what is so hard for, I had to, you know, obviously a lot of people work jobs and then try to squeeze the artwork in these little, yeah. you know, blank areas of their life. It's so hard to get in the mindset. I think that's because I worked as a graphic designer for a while mm -hmm. for different things before I did the band. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's why I, I was, I was busy at, jo at jobs, always thinking about, mm -hmm. like, I, I saw like being a graphic designer and designing flyers and pamphlets and brochures that I didn't have any connection with. I just, I, I more or less saw it as like shooting hoops. I was like, okay, like I have, I have a bunch of text that I don't care about at all, but <laughs> I have to care about how it looks. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I was constantly thinking about 
and then as soon as you know it was my it was my time my turn my time to to work on my own artwork the, the 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 line was so blurred where i'm like oh i've been thinking about it all day and so it just kind of felt effortless Do you have the David Lynch, uh, the 40 years of doodles book? I don't that, No, I it's, it's, it's so sweet. I ha- it's, um, it's a pretty big book. It's, it's a pretty, it's a pretty thick, big one. Okay. It's, uh, it's literally, I don't think there's one piece of, there's no words in it. It's just literally 40 years of his doodles and drawings Aww. on like scripts and napkins and this and that. Oh, I love I think, I think, it. I think it's called David Lynch. I think it's called David Lynch works on paper. Oh, nice. Okay, I'll, I'll look yeah. it up. But I also, there's a great uh, documentary from a really long time ago that show his sculpture work, which a lot oh, of people yeah. don't know about, where he takes like a, he takes I've taxidermy one, yeah. and nails, and yeah. Yeah, it's kind of disturbing. <laughs> that one's good, and there's also one called Lynch One, where he's doing, he's doing all the photographs of that Polish factory. He's an interesting, he's an interesting guy, because he's, he's always someone that, um, I like his movies. Don't get me wrong, and mm-hmm. I like I like I like his films and Twin Peaks and everything. But I think I like him more than any of his work. Like I like his, mm. I just like his personality and his artisticness. Like I like mm-hmm. him, and I you know I like his movies a lot. But they're what keeps what keeps me coming back to his work is I just like him. Oh, we we have you, he he has a a bar he designed called Silencio in Paris. Have uh-huh. you heard of this? No. Uh. Uh-uh. It's like a, it's an old, it's way underground, like super far underground. I, I think it's an old newspaper factory, like during the war. Cool. And um, it's a private club and they have shows there. It's really small and intimate. And he did all the decor and the art for it and stuff. I think it was before Joe was in the band, but it, yeah, we, I think it was probably a year before Joe joined. We, we played a, a, mm-hmm. a fun little show there and it was very cool. And you should Google it. Silen- Silencio. I love a grotto. I love those little yes. nooks. Yes. T-shirts or, or flyer or the or the cassette tapes. I guess cassette tapes. Yeah, I just like I remember in high school making my own T-shirts, like just making my own, like um, figuring out how to like print on fabric, and then cutting those out and then sewing those patches on my shirts and stuff. That's kind of how I started. Mm-hmm. Xerox machine, like yeah, the Xerox machine probably was the first thing. I was like, whoa, I can make a lot of copies for very cheap, and then cut and paste and glue this shit on other stuff. I want one. I want to get one. I want to find one that still works. Yeah, they're pretty fun. So, okay. So then I heard you did some uh, design for the band while on tour in the tour van. Is that right? Yeah. I, for our band? Yeah. yeah. I, 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 I mean, I, I had my, my website, all of all things artistic, uh, like my friend's poetry, my poetry, my visual, everything. It, my website well back way back in college was cold war kids mm-hmm. so i i had the name cold war kids with like years before probably five years before it became and I, so the first few months of our band we were playing we didn't have a name and the, and i i knew that if i said let's call ourselves cold war kids they would never go for it you always gotta <laughs> you always gotta make you know lead singers feel like things are their idea the bass player strategy <laughs> Yeah, so I was like, I, I knew it was a great name, and I was like, it's my. I had the the domain name and on the whatever, and and I knew that eventually, you know, they would ask me if they want, and I, I was like, sure, yeah, and like, mm-hmm. so it became our band name inevitably. I had the band, I had the name. You, I, I just, it was my umbrella for all all things artistic that I liked. It was like kind of like pre Tumblr. It was like my, oh. it was my website. It was like, I just put up all my own why, stuff. Why did you pick that stuff. name? I don't even, you know what? I picked it because I remember I went to Europe a lot with my brother and some friends. I think I had the name. We went to, um, I think it's called statue park or anyway, it's, it's outside Budapest in Hungary. Like, 
after the Soviet Union fell or whatever, they took all the real oppressive, crazy statues out of the cities and they would just kind of, they, they kind of put them in a big field and you could, you could take a, you could take a bus out and I think it was like five bucks or two bucks or something. And you could just like, it's, it's like a big field in a oh. park and you can just kind of like climb on them and look at all these statues. And I remember, I think I was just writing in my journal something like about being like these statues are now like a, in a play. It feels like a playground. Oh, I would think it would be more like a graveyard, but it felt like playful. Yeah, well, it was a macabre, yeah, like a macabre graveyard. But like mm-hmm. the fact that you could like stand on Stalin's foot, uh, <laughs> it kind of felt like um, we're not supposed to be doing this, but now that we can, it's okay. And so it was a very kind of like macabre, but yet playful name. My like When I was like 12, I think I was like 12 or 11 when it came out, 1991. It was, I, I was, I've, I've always liked U2, but... Octung Baby came out, mm-hmm. I think, in 91. And that is my, it's still one of my most favorite. I mean, I love that record so much, front to back. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that when you say you like U2, it's it's risky business because U2's kind of become something that they used to not be. But I still, I love I love that band and I love Octung Baby. I love all the imagery, all the Anton Corbin photos. And uh-huh. I know that they did a lot of pre-production for the record in Berlin, right when the Berlin Wall came down. And so a lot of the, yeah, a lot of the images have that kind of feel, and I, I was always obsessed. Like early college, I loved the Vin Vendors movie Wings of Desire, uh-huh. and uh, and Far Away So Close, the sequel, and just like the kind of the, the the motif and the imagery of like the Berlin Wall and just all of the the imagery on it on the you know on the west side of of all the graffiti and everything, and just the idea of like a of Berlin, I was was really into, and I just loved that. I love that Octane Baby liner notes with all those Berlin photos. And I think that kind of motif just got in my head. And so mm. it kind of came out through the, the name Cold War Kids. Years years later, I, I remember I get to meet Vim Vendors one time and I got to tell him all this stuff. And I think I think Vim Vendors doing the, the YouTube videos that he did mm-hmm. and his movies, they, it kind of had a huge effect on my on my uh, 13, 14 year oldness. Mm-hmm. I can see that. <laughs> The, the fact that I'm usually more inspired and excited about artwork when I'm not in a museum, but like when I'm walking through a city and seeing different textures and walls and yes. sidewalks and concrete, mm-hmm. there, there, there's something to the fact that I'm like, I'm, there, there's been times on tour where I, I do the, a long walk to a museum, but the walk to and from the museum is far more inspirational than the actual art I saw in the museum. Exactly. I was like, okay, well, there's something to that, so I want, I want my own artwork to have that feel. Okay, so how many records have you designed? Do you know? Uh, ones that I'm proud of, because I've done a, I've done a whole, like, before I, that I was I, not I, the before, question, sir. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I, I honestly couldn't tell you. I don't even know. Um, I've done a lot that I, I'm very proud of, but. I mean, I've done all the our bands, and I've done a handful of friends' bands and this and that. Mm-hmm. But before before our band was a band, I was an art director at a at a what do you call it, emo label that um, I, uh, it was called the Militia Group. Uh-huh. Um, and I was in charge of a whole lot of bands that I really hated. Uh-huh. Um, so it was like, it was it was um it was the height of me listening to like Stiff Little Fingers and Rancid and you know, Sham 69 and like, I still listen to all that stuff, but, um, all these bands I couldn't care less about. Uh I I suddenly was in charge of designing their album covers and their ads and their sleeves and everything. And it was a really fun job. The people I worked with were were really fun, but, uh, the music, I just had no interest in. I'm looking at their website right now and I can totally see what you're saying. No shade, but it's part Yeah. It's my journey, and um, it's my journey, and uh, they were the first label that tried to sign Color Kids, I remember, and uh, that didn't happen. But um, I don't, I don't know how many des- records I've designed, to be honest. Like, the first thing I ever did, I remember the first, the first thing I ever did for money <laughs> was um, mm-hmm. this band called Thrice. Mm-hmm. They were like a hardcore. I was friends with the singer because my, he was my friend at Biola, and he quit school to go on tour with this band because they got signed to island or something and i ended up doing a lot like three or four of their covers throughout the years they're called thrice and that was the first thing i ever designed um oh nice that was fun to dig that up 
if you yeah. if you still like it. Yeah, I, I like the artwork a lot. The music, um, I can't speak to because I've actually never listened to it. Um, but you never uh, listened. I, I, That's funny. I, I never listen. I, I, I rarely listen to anything that I design. Uh-huh. I don't, I don't know why. Um, I'm really, really, I'm really opinionated with music and I, I don't usually say that I'm opinionated, but I am. So I, I'm like, I feel like I, it won't be as fun if I listen to it. <laughs> oh, what was the first record cover you remember? You know, I think the first, it was R.E.M. Out of Time. That really, and I, I actually just bought a vintage hat with this logo on it. Um, I, it has that, it's yellow and, well, it's, Frank Ockenfels did the photography for it, who, who's actually become a friend, which is really funny because uh, I, I had this poster of R.E.M. in my room as a kid, and I loved this poster so much, and then I found out this guy Frank did it. And, but um, it was R.E.M. out of time. And I love the, it's all Helvetica, like the typesetting. It's this, yeah, it came out in, I think, 1990, I think it's 1990, that record. And it's the first tape I ever bought. The first CD I ever bought was Midnight Oil, I remember. But um, yeah, R.E.M. Out of Time was the first album cover that really struck me. Yeah, it's interesting because it's covering a photo. What's behind there? Yeah, it, it's like a wall. I think it's a marble wall or something. Very mysterious. I don't know. That was the same year that REM, they won uh, Best Video for Losing My Religion. I still love, I love that record. Um, it's, a, it's a great Their record. Their logo is interesting because they they uh, vary from the using periods and not. Am I correct? Yeah. Because I thought I'd seen it without the periods. Yeah, they always, they always were doing. You mix it up. I have a lot of REM uh, vintage t-shirts and they're oh, all wow. over the place. Like they... Yeah, they, they, they had a star for a while, that like kind of nautical star. Yeah. Yeah, they did a red star red star for a while, like the monster era. Um, and so you you got to know the photographer. Have you worked together? Um he's taken my he he did the fo- the photos for the inside. This guy Frank, mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. he actually did, he did put a photo a photograph of me in, in his newest book. Uh he oh. brought it by during COVID. It was pretty cool. Nice. Um yeah, he's you can he's a he does a lot for that. Uh, I haven't seen it. It's called the um, American Horror Story. Is that is that something? Oh my gosh, yeah, that's something. I think he does a lot of the graphics for that. I think you can. His name's Frank Ockenfels. He's he's really out. There. Like I'm sure when you, once you Google him, you're, you'll see a bunch of stuff that you realize he's done. Oh, he's yeah, a hell of a guy for sure. Oh yeah, I'm seeing a lot that I know. Oh, very very dramatic black and white. Yeah. Wow. Lighting, real, lighting um, master. Yeah, real, real '90s stuff. Iggy Pop. Yeah, he's he's a, he's a cool guy. I also wanted to ask you, um, what's an unpopular opinion you have? It can be about music or art. People are always very surprised to hear that I I have a love for ZZ Top. Mm. I love ZZ. I like. I don't know why. I think ZZ Top. I have a bunch of vintage T-shirts of ZZ Top, and people, are, why are you wearing that? I'm like, because they're they're a great band, and yeah. um, absolutely. And most people that are most people that say this, if you you did if you did the blind taste test thing like Coke and Pepsi, if you if you apply that to ZZ Top's first f- four records, well, the, the people that are saying that ZZ Top is unpopular are the people that wouldn't be able to the people that love Black Keys, but they wouldn't be able to tell the difference between Black Keys and ZZ Top. Is what I'm saying. I love that the one without a beard's last name is Beard. I know it's insane. Have you have you it's watched the best. Netflix documentary that came out like about a year ago? I have not. No, it's good. It's mm-hmm. good. It's it's really endearing. It's good. It's a, it's a good new one. I also get I also get in a lot of fights about '90s Dylan. I, I really like '90s Dylan. I mean, my Ooh. favorite Dylan record is from '97, and uh, Time Out of Mind. I, I love that record so much, and I, I get in fights. Our band just covered a Dylan song, a Dylan B side. And mm. it's a song that I've gotten in actual fights with with friends, <gasps> where, where they we, we covered this song "Series of Dreams." It's it's my favorite Dylan song ever. I love this song, and I've been I've been trying to get our singer to record it for years now. We finally we did it during COVID, and it's it's out now. I love this. I love I did the artwork for the cover and everything. It's oh, very fun. Awesome. Well, check it out. What what's the? It's, so it's a single. Yeah, it's it's on, right now. It's only on Amazon. 
but it's, you can, it, it's not, it was a Amazon thing. So they have the first rights to it for, I don't know, six months or something like that. Okay. But it, it'll be on Spotify soonish, I'm sure, but it's on Amazon music. It's called series of dreams. I, we, we kind of suicided it up. It, we, we, we made it much more synthy than Dylan's version. Oh, suicide, the band. Yeah. yeah I love mm-hmm. suicide. Um, mm. we, we, we made it more in that kind of like Cherie dream, maybe dream kind of, and it, but then it gets real, it gets real big at the end too. So it's kind of both worlds. It's, it's, I love it, but I've gotten into fights Ooh. with this song. I, I think this is a, a better answer than the ZZ Top because, um, I've gotten okay. pe- people. I, I have a lot of friends that think that Dylan shouldn't have done anything after like desire 75. And, um, I think that I think I love all Dylan. I, I love early Dylan so much, but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. everything after D- desire, I, I like so much more than the early Dylan. Well, maybe you're a real fan. Yeah, maybe. Um, and what do you think about, do you think it's possible for someone, because I hear this about Metallica a lot, you know, is it possible to tarnish the earlier works so much? Like if, if a band takes a different turn uh, or just starts to suck or whatever, and I'm not saying this about Dylan, I don't, yeah. I'm not familiar with the music mm-hmm. we're talking about. Um, but do you think that it's possible to tarnish the earlier works um... or, or to, to discount an early career with with later failure or mediocrity <laughs> i don't know i think everyone just no because i mean like i mean johnny cash yeah. has just lowest points and then he has the highest <laughs> point like i like you know i i consider myself like a a, a very big tom waits fan and i don't even bother with tom mm-hmm. waits first seven records i don't i don't care about them mm-hmm. really um mm-hmm. as a 41 year old guy i think that he tom waits career really starts in the early 80s and um, mm. I think that he would be okay with me saying that to his face. I, I really, I mean, possibly not, mm-hmm. but, um, I don't know. It's like, Let's I think, uh, like, I just love, uh, not being, I like, I like artists that don't, that aren't precious. Like, like I, I have so much respect mm-hmm. for like the Lulu record. The Lou is like the Metallica Lou Reed thing. Metallica Lou Reed. Yeah. yeah. Like I don't, and, yeah. I don't care about that record, but I, I, it makes me respect Metallica so much more just because that record exists i kind of have the the vibe of like when when people are saying things like that i kind of just want to say like go write your own song like uh and in in my head i kind of do that a lot of times like i yeah just okay so we can tell that you're an optimist or you're you're just a positive person because all of the examples you've given or both have been times where you're pot you're you like something other people don't is mm-hmm. there a is there a switcheroo like where i don't like things that people love yeah probably um but that'll get you in trouble yeah like uh like like uh like rock like rocket man the the elton john movie that kind of ruined elton john for me for a while really i haven't seen it yet because i heard bad reviews i was scared to watch it yeah, that uh, even more than that one because actually I, I, I somewhat take it back. Rocket Man's okay because it felt like a play and it felt like it. But the uh, the Queen movie is what I probably really should have said. I think they came out at the same time. Uh, the, mm-hmm. What's it called? Bohemian Rhapsody. Mm-hmm. That that almost that kind of tarnished my. I love Queen. They're fabulous, mm-hmm. but that movie was terrible. Not a good. Not a good. Not a good thing. I knew that I knew that our early on Sasha Baron Cohen was scheduled to play him. Whoa, him. that would have been amazing. And I I remember yeah he was I think he was on Marin I forget what pod I think it was Mark Marin's podcast and he left pretty early on because he wanted to take it a different route and and so I think Sasha Baron Cohen I, you can read about it but I, and I'm giving you half baked information here but I I'm pretty sure that he left because he wanted to tell the. Uh, the real story. The real story, yeah. Like the. Yeah, I haven't watched that one either. That's another one. I'm too scared. I'm like, no, I don't want to. I don't think yet. I, I think, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I. The the only I, there's there's very few m- musical movies that I mm-hmm. really get behind that I like, and I mean my favorite one I think is probably Twenty Four Hour Party People. I think that that does Ooh. a fabulous. Ver- uh, it's a fabulous take on Manchester music at that time, and it's. I love it. It's just it's it's funny enough to not be taken seriously, but it's mm-hmm. it's very serious. But it also it's just it, that, to me that's a perfect movie about music. 
It's so intense. It's it's yeah. You're right. It is perfect. It's representative. Yeah. I think. Um, oh, I'm not a musician, but um, I try. Um, I try to play the bass. Um, yeah. What? Who are your favorite bassists? I like Jaw Wobble a lot. Um, mm -hmm. He's cool. I like I like Paul Simonon. Yeah, uh, from I like the Clash. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like Charles Mingus a lot. Mm -hmm. I like I like Martin P. Casey a lot from the Bad Seeds. What What came first, music or art, or was it like simultaneous? You were just trying everything. I think it was kind of the same time. Mm -hmm. Probably, I mean, no, definitely music. I think music and skateboarding, and then art, probably. But yeah, and then with skateboarding culture too, you have all the graphics everywhere, and it's yeah. it's just very inspiring. It's a very, I we were hoodlums too, but. <laughs> yeah. It's also very creative um, and wholesome in that way. Yeah, I think I think music came first. Probably, I remember. Yeah, I think I had some cousin. I remember my cousin. I was like twelve years old. My cousin let me borrow Peter Gabriel Us, uh, In Excess Kick, U Two War, and Rush Roll the Bones. And the first three, I said, I still love those records. Rush, I didn't. Not so much. Um, but I remember him. Yeah, he put me on a good older. My older cousin put me on a good trajectory, I think. <laughs> God bless older cousins. Yeah. <laughs> They're so helpful. Uh, so uh, do you have new projects coming up? Is What do you want to, um, what should the listeners know? I have a clothing line that I'm kind of uh, taking a slight little break because uh, COVID, but I have, I have a clothing line. It's called Love. It's a it's a funny look. It's L U V, but the L is a like a British pound symbol. Oh, I've seen that. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So that's that's my clothing line. Um, it's mostly T-shirts that we do other stuff too. You have an e-commerce site of some. Yeah, kind? it's love loveproduct.com. Okay. Cool. L U V product. Cool. That's a fun thing. Um, I'm kind of just waiting for this to be over. I mean, we, I'm so ready to tour. I, I, I'm ex I'm so excited about our new record. It's going to come out hopefully sooner than later. I'm so excited now, too. I can't believe you guys are going to have two releases in COVID. I know. It's crazy. That's pretty amazing. You y'all are so busy. Yeah, we, we are. I'm very I'm very proud of this record. It's about, it's, a, it's a little older. It's about five, six years old. Oh, but there's a re there's a record that I did with some friends that I'm, that went very under the radar that I that I I I, I love this record. It's called um, we we played like ten shows. We put one record out. Uh, it's called French Style Furs, and um, it's me, our singer Nathan from Cold War Kids, and then my other my other friend Nathan from oh uh, he he used to be in a band called We Barbarians. He's a he's an, an art friend. He. He's the one. He he's the one I do uh, the clothing line with, um, and we made a record together. It's on Spotify. You can listen to it. Oh, nice. Um, we bar wait French style furs. French style furs. Yeah, mm -hmm. we put it out on cool. my friend Sid's French Kiss Records. I remember like about five six years ago, and I'm a I love that record. I I get very nostalgic for it. Anything else? I'm looking. These T-shirts are so cool. The oh, one called you. "Free Sex." Oh yeah. I love over. I love a multiply effect. I did that uh, free. I did the free set. That free sex one. I did. Um, do, do you remember Richard Swift? He passed away a couple of years ago. No. Joe, wait. <laughs> Joe was Joe used to play with Richard Swift. He and uh, Shins. Um, uh -huh. Richard Swift's music is phenomenal. Uh, he's okay. he, he 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 goes under the name Richard Swift. He's probably has he probably has like five or six records and then a handful of EPs. Um, he was he was a close friend of Joe and I's. Uh, he helped he produced some Cooler Kids records. He was he's from Oregon. Mm -hmm. um, incredible musician, very like Harry Nielsen meets, uh, but like but kind of like Howlin' Wolf, Captain Beefheart, but all that kind of stuff mixed together. Uh, yeah. I love Richard Swift was he introduced me to so much good art and um, yeah he, he passed away a couple of years ago he's a great guy but that was uh, the free sex that was a collaboration that we, me and him did oh wow yeah all of these are great they kind of mimic the risograph or like an off offset 
piece. Um, yeah. Very cool. Um, okay. Well, I guess it's almost an hour now. Thank you so much for talking to me. Um, yeah, that was fun. Super fun to, to meet you finally. And that was a great introduction to you and your work. Um, have a great night and thank you again. Thank you. That was that was uh, the most action I've had all week. It was, <laughs> it was great. Well, good luck with everything. Thank you. Bye, Matt. Okay, bye. Bye.